Let us continue our worship in the Word of God. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. And we're going to be reading the whole chapter, Isaiah 6. In the year that the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, sitting on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings, with Two wings they cover their faces, with two they cover their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Oh, to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongues from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me, he said. Go and tell these people, Be ever hearing but never understanding. Be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of these people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn to be healed. And I said, For how long, Lord? And he answered, Until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitants, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged. Until the Lord has sent everyone far away, and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and oak leaf uh, stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be stump in the land. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good to be here with you. Very powerful passage, and we are looking at the throne room of God. Well, we are continuing with this series on the character of God. In order for us to present the God of Bible, not our own God of our own imagination or perspectives, I think it is very important for us to study who God is. So far, we have learned that the eternal God is the creator of the universe, yet he is our heavenly father through our Lord Jesus Christ in whom we have life. Now, today, as we read this passage from Isaiah, we hear this phrase from the beginning to the end of the Bible, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Whenever you see the emphasis on the word in the Bible, we have to take uh, very carefully, and we need to look, pay attention to these words. He said three times, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. 
Jesus called God the Holy Father. When we pray Lord's Prayer, we must always remember to include what? Holy be your name or hallowed be thy name. We never forget the word holy needs to be put in front of everything else you said about God. Even to say God is love is dangerous unless you add the adjective holy. Because there are so many unholy kinds of love around that we shall not get the right picture. We talked about that. God is love, yes, but we have to clearly understand who God is. He is holy God, and he gives holy love. Now, today, we will focus on the holiness of God and, in its, uh, and its implication, such as indignation and judgment. By hearing these terms, I, you can sense that this sermon is going to be a bit heavy today. However, this will be a fit preparation for God's kindness, love, and mercy, which we will talk about next week. Because, uh, and I pray that the word of the Lord will speak to us ever so powerfully that we will know who God is as God wants us to know. Amen. Now, let's, let's first, let's take the word holy. What does it mean when we say holy God? Unfortunately, the expression holy is used in various senses in today's culture, even as a swear word. You see, the swearing takes something holy and treats it as a profane and to be trampled upon. Did you notice that? Just study the words of the swearing words. Therefore, the most swear words go straight back to either religion or sex. The two holiest relationships that we know, our relationship with God and our relationship between men and women. Isn't that interesting? We try to make something holy and prof, uh, treat it as a profane. There are other, others who use the word holy, not in a swearing, but sarcastically, right? Oh, so you are holy men, aren't you? Isn't that tragedy? This word, which belongs to only God and describes God, should be used either in swearing or sarcastic manner, really saddens me. We lost the meaning of the word holy. No wonder we don't understand when we say God is holy. Also, the word holy is often used in a superstitious way, uh, meaning people or places or ob objects are to be avoided because they are kind of mysterious because they are uncanny and seem to be associated with a supernatural power. Hey, this is a holy place. When I went to Holy Land, Israel, back in 2007, man, the, every place where Jesus was doing something, they, you know, they called this place very holy. And they made so many crazy things out there building some statues, you know, building church upon it and try to make this place is holy. And every time you tr man tries to do something like that, 
the actual holy place becomes unholy place. And that was really saddening for me to experience. But anyway, we uh, use this word holy as a place or, or object or, or people to be avoided. There are those who use the word holy simply to describe something sacred. Like Jacob at the Bethel said, this is a holy place, if you remember. Moses, when he saw the bush, the burning bush, was told, take your shoes off, Moses. This is a holy place, meaning it is a sacred place. This is a sacred use of the word holy, but it is still not the scriptural use, I believe. The scriptural use of the word holy means far more than just supernatural power. It means supernatural purity. It is the very character of God. And when we say God is holy, you actually mean God is cleaner than you can imagine. God is utterly pure, clean. This is something that we have never known. So it is very difficult for us to understand. But God is holy Me actually means he is utterly pure, perfect. Let me explain in this way. What would it be like to meet a really holy person? Would you like him or dislike him? Would you feel drawn toward him or repelled by him? Imagine that. When Jesus was on earth, for the very first time in human, human history, a truly holy person was living among them. Jesus was the personification of holiness. How did men and women feel about Jesus? You read the gospel, you find out. At first, they were attracted. They came in thousands. They wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to talk to Jesus. He was different, and they were drawn to him, and they wanted to be with him. But very soon, this gave away to, be, to a discomfort. They began to feel, when they got nearer to him, a little uncomfortable. They began to feel a little dirty. They began to feel a little sinful. They began to say this kind of things. Even one of the disciples said this when he encountered, Peter actually encountered Jesus. What did he say? This was his reaction. Depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. That's how many people react to a truly holy person. First, at first, they might feel drawn. Then they feel very uncomfortable. They end up literally hating him. That happened to Jesus. The people who wanted to see Jesus, people kind of felt uncomfortable with him anymore because he was too holy, later crying out, crucify him. His holiness had some kind of effect on people. That's why Jesus said, they hated me, and guess what? They will hate you, those who follow Jesus. By the way, we will be hated, my brothers and sisters. It's not a new news. It's not something that we should be amazed or shocked or dismayed by it. The whole world is against Christians because they first hated God, therefore they hated those who follow God. Our culture is right now is very hostile against Christians or Christianity. 
today in this country, in the United States of America. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse. That's in the Bible. Don't be alarmed. Be ready. Amen. I mean, be, al- be ready for it. Now, but the hate will be in proportion to your holiness, the way you live differently as Christians. Whoever would live a godly life in Christ shall suffer persecution, according to Apostle Paul. Well, should we include that and when we share the gospel, be ready to suffer? Then how many of the people today in our culture, in our today's society, will find our follow the Lord Jesus all the way? I wonder. Well, let me ask you this question. When the Christians who are in the church find out that this is the reality for us, how many will remain in the church? How many will remain in their faith? That's another question to ask. Interesting time we're living in. That's why I do not, I know what's happening in our culture right now. You know, all these things are happening in the social realm, political realm, even with the COVID. And a lot of churches are suffering because of that. But in a way, this is a great time for us to test our faith, don't you think? What you are made out of, what your faith is really all about. Are you willing to really stand up for, you, for the truth? Are you willing to keep believing in Jesus Christ in spite of COVID, in spite of all these secular, unbiblical ideologies? What was the reaction of Isaiah when he first encountered God in his glory in today's passage? What was his reaction when he saw in his vision the throne of God? What did he say? He said, Oh, to me, I'm undone. I'm dead. I'm undone. That was his reaction. You know, my brothers and sisters, if one of us, any one of us, any one of the creatures, even today, you actually see God face to face, you won't be able to stand will be literally destroyed, incinerated, because it's too holy to contain with your eyes. You're too holy to just look at. That's why in the Bible, in the Old Testament, when Moses was encountering God, he did not even see the whole throne of God. He actually saw. God said, you won't be able to stand when I actually show myself to you fully. Full glory, you won't be able to. You'll be incinerated. You'll be gone. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cover you (laughs) with my hands. This is a figure of speech, obviously. Cover you with something, and I'm going to walk by you, and you're going to see my back. Just glimpse of my back. There will be more than enough for you. That's the picture, my brothers and sisters. And Isaiah saw God's throne, and he says, Oh, to me, I'm undone. That's a proper reaction. He's too holy. Interestingly, he realized that he was what? A man of unclean lips, he says, right? The Bible says if you are able to keep your mouth shut, if you're able to control your tongue, you can keep your body in check. And he says, interestingly, not, he's, he's, he had not realized that you can be a dirty person in what you say as well as in what you do. How many times we exercise our unclean lips 
even as Christians. Something to think about. Right? But we know that was not the end of the story. God's holiness reached down and burned the, the guilt out of the Isaiah. And we saw this passage. And so the Isaiah could be made holy by God somehow. The other question that might help us to understand this word holy is this. Let's flip the question. What would a really holy person feel if he met you, met me? Right? Does it ever strike you? Right? It's not about how we feel about the holy person. What about that person? Holy person is meeting you. What would that person feel if he met me and if he knew everything about me, everything that I have done, every intention, motivation, motives of the heart, all the thoughts that I had, my own, all the dreams that I had, everything. Let's say that person knows you that much. Again, it's so difficult to imagine. I understand because I've never been a completely holy, so I don't know either. But what if? question is this. How does God feel about you and me when he meets us? I'll tell you. I found that in the Bible, Psalms, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Micah, 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 Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, every one of these books, every one of the prophets, you know what they say? They say, when God meets men, he is indignant. He's indignant. What does he mean by indignation? It's a big word to some of us. Indignation is anger. It's about anger caused by something that is unjust or unworthy or unfair. So holy person looks at so dirty, un, un, unjust, unworthy thing, there is a anger rises. That's indignation. So when holiness meets something that is not holy, then indignation is the immediate result. And by the way, that is a biblical term. And do you remember Jesus when he got angry? Uh, do you remember that when he whipped and kicked out the money exchanger out of the temple, cleansing the temple? You probably heard that story in the Sunday schools at least once. Well, there was holy and righteous indignation. And when he saw in the holy place, when unholy things were happening, he says, this is disgusting. Get out of here. Indignation coming from the holiness. I wonder when God sees our church, holy place, how, what would he feel? I wonder when Christians who are supposed to be holy, as God told us to be holy, as God is holy, how would he feel? Would he feel disgusting, disgusted, indignation? Why then, you might ask, God is indignant toward men? That's what the Bible says. Let's go back to the beginning. Let me explain why it is. Remember, he created this beautiful world that was good and perfect in the beginning. When God made the world, every time he made the world, what did he say? 
It was very good. It was good. And especially when God put man into the world, you know what he said? He was very good. So he loved it. In the beginning, it was a pure, it was perfect world. And we know that's the Eden. Now, God put man and said, manage this. Keep this state. And he warned, don't let the knowledge of evil spoil this. And we all know the story of what happened. Genesis chapter 3. Men fell. Now God, look, God looks down at a world that left his hand, very good world, but it is not a very good world now under the hands of men. You know, as I look around the world, I'm really concerned for our children, realizing what kind of world we are living today, what kind of culture we are living today. But do you realize what God feels when he looks down at this world and what is happening? Do you think God doesn't care? No, he does. He's indignant. Of course he is. He made it beautiful, and mankind has ruined it through their sin. This world is full of sin. That is the reason why also natural disaster is happening Due to sin, effect of sin. The whole world is fallen. No wonder God is indignant when God, this holy God who created this beautiful world, now ruined by sin, as through the man's hands of men, he's indignant, of course. That's why he, God is described by one prophet in this way. This is what he said. He said, the God whose eyes are too pure to behold iniquity of the world. He can't bear to look at it. Did it ever happen to you? You, you cannot even look at something because it's so dirty, so corrupt, so bad. Nowadays, oh man, through the screen, through the media, through all kinds of crazy things are available to us. And with the sinful desires that we have, we want, we crave it even more stimulant, stimulating, uh, stimulating things and messes up everyone's mind. Imagine our children. Be careful what they look at things. He can't bear to look at it. It is a rare human experience, but God is like that whole time. When God sees injustice in this land, when God sees someone is being destroyed he he is indignant we hear all kinds of hideous terrible horrible crimes happening in the world today in our neighborhood today and sometimes we get angry right how come these things happen how come these babies are being sold as slaves in 21st century in the western world by the way it's a huge human trafficking is a Huge, huge problem. When I heard that, one of my professors at our school sharing with me, because he went to UN, uh, Washington, D.C., White House, to, to discuss about what to do with the human trafficking and all that. And when I, he was reporting back to me, he was just sharing with me about what was really happening, and I was so disgusted. I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't hear it anymore. What's going on? God sees everything. And he's indignant about these things. Right? Therefore, I come to this question which Prophet Nehum asked. 
Who can stand before his indignation? Who can face an angry God? And it's a legit question. What is this anger going to result in? What's going to happen? Is God, God's going to be just angry and that's it? No. It must result in what? Judgment. I know it's a very heavy word. I know some of you say, I'm here to be encouraged. Why am I hearing God's indignation and judgment? Well, when we talk about holiness of God, we have to talk about these things. A holy God who is indignant must go on to judgment. Therefore, judgment is coming. Judgment is inevitable because God is holy. He's not going to let the evil things slip away. Everything will be judged according to what they have done. Remember that, my brothers and sisters. Our God is just God. He's not going to let evil things go away. Yeah, you might think, oh, why is it so evil people are the one, corrupt people are the one who is taking over the world, it seems, and they are prospering while good people, sort of good people, normal people are being suffering. Well, God is not going to do nothing about it. They will be judged. Everyone will be judged, including you and me. Everyone will be. He's not going to just slip things away. God will not be mocked, the Bible says. He's perfect, holy. He knows every single motives heart of the hearts of men. So therefore, we must take this very seriously. And we must talk about this as we talk about God is holy. This is how holy God, holy our God is. And I know it's not a popular message in today's culture and context. A lot of people come to church to hear something else. They want to hear the God is love Yes, God is love. But first, in order for us to understand God is love, we must understand God is holy. And even His love is not just love. It's, it's not unconditional love. It's holy love. We have to be very clear about the Bible, my brothers and sisters. Amen. Amen. And it's not about the popularity, what people want to hear. We need to hear what the Bible says about God. But this is who God is and how he feels about the world. And this is exactly what the Bible said. And we cannot shun from it. We cannot just cover it and say, let's focus on something else. However, we can come to the glorious news, though, that God is kind, God is loving, and God is merciful. The same God who is holy, who is indignant, who is judging. Yet, there's a good news. He is kind, loving, merciful. And you will never understand his sheer kindness unless you have understood that God is the judge of the, all the earth. That's why we need to know him correctly. If you want to know God is merciful, God is kind, God is loving, first, you must understand that God is the judge of the, all the earth. He's the judge. Without it, you will never understand the love of God. Consider the past. Look at the historical records of the Old Testament. It contains some remarkable example of the moment when God's indignation reached boiling point and boiled over. 
Do you remember a city called Sodom and Gomorrah and two neighboring city towns? Do you remember that story? There is a nothing left of them today. They were completely destroyed because God reached the point where his indignation was such that he said, I must judge these cities in very drastic measure. So was Jericho. So was Babylon, Nineveh. In the entire history of the ancient world, we can clearly see these things in the past. Also in the days of Noah, do you remember? Here was a society living purely at the physical level. They never got above it. They ate, they drank, they lived to satisfy their own physical desires. Doesn't it sound familiar? All about is our body. All about is a physical pleasure. All about is a physical things. Man, today's world is very physical material, right? Materialistic. Doesn't it sound very similar? No one thought about God during the time. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, every intention of men was not toward God, but toward evil. That was a day of Noah. And that is the level at which God's indignation bubbled over. And he said, you are not going to do this anymore. Therefore, the immediate result was the violence filled the earth. My brothers and sisters, this is as up to uh, as our news, isn't it? When people live material things alone, Physical things alone, you know what's going to happen? Violence will fill the earth. Violence will fill the earth. This is today. And Jesus said, in the last days, it will be just like the days of Noah. We are becoming like society in the Noah's day. Noah's society was completely destroyed except for eight people we know from the Bible. That was in the past, how God dealt, how God expressed his indignation. And he's the judge of the earth. That was the past. What about the present right now? Can you discern his judgment today? Let me ask you, do you see the judgment of God today? Yes. At a social level, read Romans chapter 1. Read it. It reads like the present day when he says, when men give God up, God gives men up. The immediate result was perverted minds and perverted bodies, unnatural relationship between men and men and woman and woman. Doesn't it sound familiar? God's judgments are in the earth today. Just go back and read chapter 1 of Romans. Perhaps all, perhaps all the chaos we are experiencing today is the result of the judgment to come. His indignation, indignation reaches a certain point, and when we consider the opportunities that this nation of our, our, ours had, perhaps we do not deserve anything less. I don't know. We cannot blame someone. We cannot blame the government, nor we cannot depend on the government as our own gods. We can't. 
We need to take the responsibility. What about the future? Paul said that God has appointed a day when he will judge the world. He will judge the world one day. This is the day that Jesus will return, not as a savior, but as the judge. Not as a sacrificial lamb, very nice, but the conquering lion. People don't fear Jesus, and I don't understand why. Because we, we have this picture of Jesus by some movies or by Sunday school stories in the gospel, that Jesus is like a hippie-looking like man who is always nice, say the right things, loves children. Yeah, it's all true in terms of what he had done. We know that. But you know what? Jesus is God. He's the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is God who created this world. He's a, he's a holy God. He's the holy one of Israel. And I cannot imagine when he came to this world and looks at this world and what was happening as the holy one of Israel. Imagine how he felt. On that day when he returns, all the wicked will be dealt with God, dealt by God. And on that day, every secret, the Bible says, will be revealed. Every dark secret will be revealed. Every good secret will be revealed. The day is coming. Thus, as Christians, we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, the Paul says. Amen. That's what the Bible says. That's what Paul said. Live right, the Lord says. The days are coming. That's in the future. Now, is this God that Jesus believed in, that which I just described? Is this God who is holy and indignant and will judge the world? Is it God of Jesus? Really? Yes. I know some of us heard this teaching of false dichotomy between the God of the Old Testament and God of the New Testament. I'm sure you heard that, right? God of the Old Testament was the judge. He was holy, indignant over all these things. But God of the New Testament is the God of love and grace and mercy. And there are some differences between God in the Old Testament, God in the New Testament, as if they are different gods. Somebody asked me, by the way, do you believe that the, everything the Bible says about God, even in the Old Testament? She was struggling with all those crazy things that you read about, what God, how God judged, including Sodom and Gomorrah. I said, of course. God of Jesus is holy and indignant and will judge the world. Let me give you reasons for that. Jesus had a Bible in his time, and his Bible was the Old Testament. He believed in holy and indignant God. He had no other. Also, within the New Testament, you have the clearest possible picture of God who is holy and indignant and judging. Read the book of Revelation, which is the book written by who? John? Not really. Read Jesus. John just wrote it down, what Jesus said. It was the words of Jesus. He claims to be the words of Jesus. One of the few books in the Bible that there is a 
total dictation. God, Jesus was literally giving what to write. Write these things down. In the New Testament epistles, Paul talks of the day of wrath when God will judge the secret of men according to the gospel. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus himself quotes as a historical events, the judgments on the day of Noah, the judgments on Sodom and Gomorrah, judgment on Nineveh. Jesus mentioned all that in his teaching. So is this God, holy God, indignant God, is the God of Jesus? Yes. And Jesus, in his own words, spoke of this kind of God. My brothers and sisters, God of the Old Testament is God of the New Testament. Jesus is the God of the Old Testament and God of the New Testament. Amen. Now, I know it sounds a bit heavy, as I said. What do we do? How can we stand, just like Nahum said, how can we stand the indignation of God? How can we stand this holy God? Who can stand? Well, there is a way out. There is a way to meet this holy God. There is. That's the good news. There is a way of forgiveness. There is a way of becoming holy as he is holy. He made the way. There is a way for men to rise. There is a way. The God who is holy and who is indignant, God who judged the world and sinful things, He's also God, he's, he's also God who is kind, loving, merciful. He provided Jesus Christ. That's we. That's when Jesus comes in. That's why he's so important to us. He's the one who appeases the anger in holiness, indignation of God. In theological term, propitiation. He's appeasing it. That's exactly what the cross did as he died on the cross, as he was being judged in the place of us as he was condemned in the place of sinners, he took away the anger. He received, he faced the full anger and indignation of God. That's why Jesus said on the cross, what did he say? Why have you forsaken me, my God, my God? Remember? Because of you, the, the lamentation says, because of your mercy, we are not consumed. Your mercies are new every morning. And how do we know that is true? Look at Jesus. He came, has faced that indignation, that holiness for us, and made possible the forgiveness that makes us a new creation. Now in Christ, we are a new creation. Now, in Christ, we are the children of God. In Christ, we can actually call this holy God our heavenly Father. Not just Father, our heavenly Daddy. That's the amazing love you can understand unless you know the holiness of God. What God has to sacrifice in order for us to, in order for Him to bring us back to Him, into His holiness. Jesus, 
had to pay the price. He had to die on the cross. God sent His one and begotten Son to die on our behalf so that His anger, that His indignation can be appeased so that we can be accepted and forgiven. Amazing. If you know this, you will know His love. If you know how holy God is, you will know how amazing His love is. If you know how God is so indignant, you will know His mercy through Jesus Christ. God's holiness, His indignation, His judgments are clearly seen in the cross as His kindness, His love, and His mercy. That's why someone poetically said, the cross is the beautiful exchange, right? You exchange the, whole, the, 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 the judgment and indignation to love and mercy. Jesus received the penalty. We receive his life and forgiveness. That's why we believe in Jesus. That's why we worship Jesus. That's why we serve Jesus. That's why he's the only one who can bring us back to God, to our Heavenly Father. That's why Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the only way. No one comes to the Father, this holy God, unless you come through me. My prayer, my brothers and sisters, is this, that we will know whom we are serving, whom we are worshiping, whom we are dealing with. Yes, we are in His love. That's why we are able to stand here today. That's why we are able to worship God today freely, without fear, because perfect love drives out fear, which we'll talk about next week. But we have to understand that God is holy, still holy, as He was holy from the very beginning. And just because of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are able to approach this holy God in His love. Amen. What are you going to do then? Are you going to worship Jesus? Are you going to just stand and look at Jesus' picture? What are you going to do? Are you willing to follow Him all the way? Are you, are you willing to give thanks to Him what He has done for us? We are not consumed by His indignation out of holiness because of His mercy are new every morning in Christ Jesus. My prayer is that all of us will open our hearts and see who He is and what He has done for us. In Jesus, we shall cry out. In Jesus, we shall live for. Jesus, we shall give our life to. Amen. Let's pray. Just give thanks to God for those who love Jesus, those who believe in the Lord Jesus. What He has done for you, know it. This holy God accepted you, not because you are great or holy or special, but he, he, because out of His great love for us, He sent His Jesus and what He has done for us.
as a atoning sacrifice. Now we are forgiven in Christ Jesus. Now we can go to Him. Give thanks for that. Never forget. But for those who do not know Jesus or who those, those do not believe in Jesus or those who do not have a relationship with Jesus, I want to really urge you, challenge you, look at Him. Know who God is. He's righteous. He's holy. And He can't stand sin. But He is also loving and kind and He wants to forgive. That's why He provided Jesus. Accept Him. Commit yourself to Jesus. He will meet you. He will make you holy. He will forgive you when you repent of your sin, believe in the Son of God, Jesus, and follow Him, you will be forgiven and you will be sons and daughters of God. It is my prayer that you will not just wait until tomorrow, but you make that commitment today. Look to Jesus. Let us pray.